Hello and welcome back to Adulting with Ashley. I first want to apologize and say that this episode may or may not have a formal intro with music because I realized just as I was about to press record that I'm recording on a new laptop and I don't have my files, my audio files, and I really wanted to get this out into the ether so I might um, not record a formal intro for this. We'll see. But if you're new here, welcome. If you're not, welcome back. Today's episode is all about therapy, my experience with it, what I've learned from it, and what I think you all should know before starting it. This topic felt very fitting for this podcast, given that I associate therapy and just emotional regulation in general with adulthood. I don't know how to describe it, but as I go deeper and deeper into adulthood, I... I think I realized that it truly is my responsibility and solely my responsibility to make myself happy, to prioritize my mental health, and to regulate my emotions. I follow someone on TikTok named Kelly. Um, I think her full name on TikTok is Kelly Grace May. She has amazing content, a lot of lifestyle content, but also just a lot of vulnerability and transparency about the ups and downs of life and mental health. And ages ago, she posted a video saying that, I think someone told this to her, I don't know if she made this quote up on her own, but it's that, you know, your trauma is not your fault, but it is absolutely your responsibility to heal heal yourself and to, you know, rehabilitate yourself and make lemon, what am I saying? Make lemonade from lemons. And I think that's a great way to sum up you know, what this episode is about and how I feel about mental health and about, you know, working through some of my own obstacles or issues. I hate the word issues because I feel like it just sounds so negative (laughs) and some of this stuff is very normal. Like, let's normalize having shit. I think everyone has their own shit that they're dealing with or trying to figure out. But anyway, it's also the holiday season and the holiday season is magical and fun and festive, but it can also be very stressful and overwhelming. There is a lot of pressure around the holidays. And so that's why I wanted to do an episode that was focused a bit more on mental health and therapy. I think that, you know, the new year is a great time to start therapy or even to reassess your relationship with your current therapist. You know, the new year is all about new beginnings, goal setting, whatever, whatever. And I personally like to get a bit of a head start because if I wait until literally the beginning of January, I feel very overwhelmed. I don't know why, but I'm like, oh my God, it's January 1st. I need to fix this, 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 and this. And it it just feels like a lot. So I try to start a few weeks earlier. So that's what I've been doing. I'm trying to get back into journaling, meditating. I feel like I'm just in a habit of being on and off with those things. And I want to be way more consistent. All that being said back to therapy. I do not think that starting therapy is quote unquote easy at all. There are barriers, obviously cost and having health insurance and access. And, you know, for some people they want to speak to a therapist of color or a therapist of a certain sexual orientation or whatever. And sometimes that's not available. I also think that It can just be scary to open the can of emotional worms, I guess, because once you do that, you can't really put them back in, especially if you've been bottling things up or you 
or someone that's not as expressive and kind of just deal with things. I think that when you start therapy, you realize like, holy shit, like there's, there's a lot here and there's things that maybe bothered me that I didn't even realize bother me. But, you know, it's, it's a lot of vulnerability, but that being said, I do strongly, strongly believe in going to therapy at any time in your life. So if you are starting your therapy journey or even thinking about starting it, congratulations. I am proud of you. You are choosing to take action and make your life better. And that is commendable. Why do I sound like Tony Robbins right now? I'm sorry. I don't know how to make this less corny, but this is just how I feel. So I hope you'll stick around to hear me ramble. But before we get into the episode, I do want to do my little what I've been listening to reading and watching. I have been listening to Nicki Minaj's new album, Pink Friday 2. Stream it. Go stream it. My favorites are Everybody. Duh. That's an amazing song. My Life and Nicki Hendrix, actually, which is kind of surprising to me because I used to not be the biggest future fan, but recently I got, you know, converted a little bit and I've been into it. Reading, uh, I haven't been reading that much, but I will chalk that up to the fact that I have been a bit busy. I did just, I did just travel. I went to Nashville, which was really fun. That's like a whole other episode, but I loved it. I loved the going out scene. I loved the live music, even though I know nothing about country music. I love the food. It was great. Um, What have I been watching? I've been watching uh, a K-pop drama, actually, called Flower of Evil. This is... Wait, why did I say K-pop drama? It's just a (laughs) K-drama. But my roommate actually recommended that to me. She loves K-dramas and I was influenced and I started it and it's addicting and it's hilarious. I don't think it's intended to be a comedy, but me being the unserious person that I am, I'm like dying laughing during all of the fight scenes. So I recommend it if you're looking for something light and easy to watch. Well, maybe not light. Something that's easy to watch, but doesn't necessarily feel like, it's not like watching reality TV where you can totally check out, but it's also not like not like watching Succession where you have to pay attention to all the subtleties and the nuances of interactions. Like, it's, it's not that intellectual. It's a good hybrid. But anyway, to dive into the episode, let's get into it. I first want to start talking about what you should know before starting therapy. I really want to emphasize this point and that is that they are providing you a service you are paying for it and you have the agency to speak up and tell them what you do or don't like or you should feel like you have the agency and you should feel empowered to do that and I think that the more that I've done that the happier I've been with my therapist So, for example, maybe you want a therapist who kind of just lets you talk things through. Or maybe you want a therapist who is, you know, more spiritual or into more of the, like, holistic stuff. Or maybe you want a therapist who will give you concrete actions and solutions as opposed to just letting you talk things through on your own. I believe that there is a therapist for everyone, and most therapists are trained in various approaches 
but you have to let them know which one you want. Or maybe you want to try something new or you saw someone talking about some therapy exercise on TikTok that you want to do. Tell them. I also think it's important to be willing to give someone a chance. You may not click with your therapist the first time. You may not feel like, oh my gosh, like perfect or besties. And that's totally fine and normal because they are a stranger and it's not natural to just meet a stranger and start answering all of these psychological questions, <laughs> you know, like there is something a bit unnatural about it. So be prepared for the fact that it may not feel like the perfect fit at first, but I will say that in my experience, when I have given someone a chance and kind of maybe expressed a bit more what I'm looking for, it's worked out. Um, and so just be open-minded, be open-minded at the same time. If you feel like you've had a few sessions with someone and they're just not your vibe, or maybe they said something to you that you didn't like or whatever, or maybe they seem closed-minded about certain topics. You also have the agency to be like, you know what? This isn't working. Don't feel like you're hurting their feelings. It happens. It happens more frequently than you probably realize actually. So don't feel bad about that. The other thing, also, excuse the noise. I do live in New York and I'm doubtful that I'll be able to edit out the noise. So we're just going to vibe with it. The other thing is that you may be exhausted sometimes after therapy, particularly if it's your first go at it and you're not used to, you know, spending an hour talking about emotions um, it's tiring. And I actually have been in therapy for, for a while, but I recently had a session that just kind of went deeper, I feel, than a lot of other sessions. And I was, I was drained. Like I felt like I needed to recharge after that session. Um, and you are totally, I think, supposed to do that actually. And like probably, probably not go from like a therapy session at noon to like your work call at one. So I feel like if you're starting out, it probably is best to, you know, do it in the evenings at a time when you will be able to recharge and just kind of rest and be a little bean on the couch. I also think that frequency does matter. I actually stopped going to a therapist because she only had appointments like once every two weeks and that just, that that was not going to work for me. I think that once a week is a great place to start. I think that it kind of establishes the habit. I think it's just easier to make progress when you're seeing someone frequently and also so much can happen within two weeks. Like if you're seeing someone once every two weeks, I personally feel like I'm spending half the time just catching you up on all the shit that's happened. So that's my note on frequency. And do your homework. Like It's not going to work very well if you discuss making certain changes, but then after the session is over, you forget it all and you go through your week like the Tomb Raider. So you do have to take the things or take the concepts that you're talking about in therapy and apply them. So that, that was just my little quick bit on what you should know. And then to get into my history with therapy, is I do think that that's, that's relevant um, since I'm, you know, doing an episode on it and pro- proclaiming myself to be a micro expert. 
I started when I was 19 at Columbia. Um, how fitting that Columbia drove me to seeking mental health treatment. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I've done it on and off since. I have only ever benefited from therapy, and I think that my relationships have only ever benefited. Benefited. <laughs> um, when I first started, I was slightly apprehensive. Um, not because I didn't think it would work. Just I, I think I think I was just nervous. I didn't know what to expect. I was doing it at school too, like through Columbia's counseling services. And I think I felt a little bit of shame just even going there. Um, But you shouldn't. And if you are in school and you're scared to walk into your university's, you know, counseling center, just do it. You will probably see someone that you know. And I, I honestly, just to speak a bit on the stigma, I think that if you make the decision to go to therapy and better yourself, you should actually feel like a badass. You should feel like you are taking taking control a little bit of your life and taking steps to make yourself better. And like I said, I think that's commendable. I think that there's no shame. I think that honestly, I feel worse when I don't do anything about my mental health and when I just kind of allow myself to what's the word I don't know if avoid my feelings or whatever like when I use distractions that that makes me feel shameful like you should not feel ashamed of going to therapy so just a note there but anyway um I yeah I started at Columbia mainly because I just felt very overwhelmed that that first year that I was at Columbia I felt very anxious I felt felt very on edge And I think that I had experienced anxiety before in my life, for sure. But I had never experienced it in that way, where it was just kind of, it was never ending. I always felt on edge. I think that it more so felt rare to feel relaxed (laughs) or to feel like I can breathe. I remember when I would be just walking around campus, I don't, if you have anxiety, you know the feeling, but it's just like, you just feel nauseous sometimes. I remember it was just an ever-present nausea. And I I finally was just like, enough is enough. Like, I need an external source to work these things through with. And I've, I've been doing it ever since, basically. I have taken some breaks. I, I took a break for about a year um, after I left Yale. And I just started back this summer and it's been great I think that my approach has changed a little bit recently I think that I actually prepare for therapy now I write down things I want to talk about as they happen during the week so that I don't forget and I also try to take notes during therapy so that I can reflect on what we discussed I think that the preparation is particularly important Because otherwise, especially if you're doing your therapy session at the end of a long day and you're tired, I I think it's easy to just kind of be like, uh, like, I don't know. And, you know, then you leave the session and you're like, oh, shoot, I should have talked about X, Y, and Z. So I definitely recommend writing things down. I think that now, because I'm not in school, I don't really have constant daily stressors. So I'm able to use my therapy sessions to get to the root cause of some more 
please excuse the ambulatory truck making all that noise. <laughs> but like I was saying, I don't really have constant daily stressors now, so I'm able to use my therapy to just to go deeper, which I think has been really great. I did inner child work for the first time a few weeks ago with my new therapist who I love and I'll get into her a bit more later, but I had never done inner child work. I will admit that I always thought that the phrase inner child just sounded corny and maybe it is, but that shit, that healed something in me, I will say. And I think that being in therapy at a time when my life is a bit calmer in some ways has allowed me to not constantly feel like, okay, when I'm in therapy, we have to solve this week's crisis. We have to put out some fires. We have to just figure out a way to help me get, you know, through the week. Now I'm able to be kind of like, okay, I'm feeling this way. And we're able to talk a bit more about, well, when was the first time that you ever experienced this feeling? Like, was there, were there things that happened in your childhood that sparked this feeling? And, you know, really digging deeper into the issues and honestly, just creating a lot of healing. And so I do want to say that even if there's nothing quote unquote bad happening in your life, you definitely can still benefit from therapy. And I think that even I realize that, gosh, there are so many things that I've experienced and that have happened in my life and my childhood and, you know, my teen years that affected me very deeply, but that you just don't think about consciously on a daily basis even though they guide your actions or they, you know, cause you to react to certain things in certain ways. And so it's been honestly really great being in therapy at this time. And I do want to say that if you are in therapy and you're curious about inner child work, ask your therapist, you know, ask them if that's something they'd be willing to do. Ask them if there's like some exercises you guys can try. The one that I did was very much related to you know, my, my body image struggles, because I, I just kind of mentioned offhand to my therapist that that was something that I struggled with. And she asked me, you know, when was the first time you ever felt negatively about your body? And what a wild question. <laughs> so I had to really go way back in time. And what I realized through that little exercise and what we proceeded to, to talk about was that it's so much deeper than I realized. I think that because the body is it's external, right? And like, I, I know consciously that um, it's not that important. I think that sometimes it can feel, it can feel shallow to even to have those feelings and to feel unconfident or whatever, especially when there's like actual real shit happening in the world. But anyway, through this little exercise, I realized like my feelings they go back really far about my body and there are specific instances or things that happened when I was a child that I didn't even realize until I talked about them that really impacted how I viewed my body how much like how much weight I put on that's not the right phrasing that's confusing how much emphasis or how important I viewed my body it was it was really a great exercise and I highly recommend doing it she basically had me you know, think about when was the first time you felt this way. And then she had me imagine a younger version of myself, um, who would experience some of those difficult things and like ask me to say like, what would you tell that younger version of yourself and how would you want to make them feel? It was great. 
I recommend it. Um, and I don't know, I've just, I've been loving therapy lately. I think I've grown a lot since starting with my new therapist. One of my biggest goals this time around is to just do less negative self-talk, less putting myself down, less fishing for compliments, less comparison. And I think that through my sessions with her, I've, I've developed some tactics to, you know, prevent myself from doing the negative self-talk, but I've also gotten to explore well, why is it that you do that? Or what are you looking for when you, you know, engage with that shitty guy who makes you feel like shit? Like, things to think about. Things to think about. So, yeah. It's been going well. I found my current therapist through Brooklyn Counseling... Brook. I can't talk today. Not a great day to record a podcast. I found my current therapist through Brooklyn counseling services which is a therapy network that offers 100% virtual therapy they have a very wide range of licensed therapists um, who have all sorts of specialties I think that I decided to go back to therapy mainly because I felt like I missed having that outlet like that external source to talk things through with and also because I was feeling a bit unconfident I was like, you know what? It's time to tackle that. Like, I think that going into age 25, like I want to go into age 25 feeling, just feeling secure in who I am. Like, that doesn't mean that I'm going to feel like I'm perfect. Um, I'm not. It doesn't mean that I'm going to feel like I all of a sudden have Kendall Jenner's body. I don't and I won't, but I, I want it to feel, I want to feel just better, just more accepting. Like, I think that Another one of my goals is to just think about some of that physical bullshit less, you know, like there are, as I said, much more important things in the world happening, but there's also much more important things in my life happening. I think I mentioned in the body image episode that I, through my friends, I've come to realize that the stuff that, you know, we agonize over or the imperfections that we agonize over the people that love us couldn't care less like when I'm hanging out with my best friends the last thing I'm thinking about is their bodies if they're quote-unquote skinny or not how many slices of pizza they ate and so I think that when I I've totally gotten off on a tangent here but when I when I think about you know that it really reminds me of what's important that being said body image stuff it's real it can affect us it can affect us in friendships relationships um obviously i have the utmost respect for people that are seeking eating disorder therapy or treatment i think it's probably a good time to add that therapy was what saved me from the the pits of hell when i was deep into my eating disorder I could not have made it through. I was, you know, scared out of my mind to start that because I knew that when I started, there was no going back. But if if you are going through an eating disorder right now, I cannot recommend therapy enough, specifically someone who has done a lot of work with eating disorder treatment. I think that it's just it's just the best for accountability purposes 
we're working through all the ups and downs of recovery. Um, it really saved my life. And so I really want to emphasize that if you are struggling with an ED and, you know, have been kind of wondering, should I talk to a professional? Yes. Yes, you should. Like, I think that the internet has such great resources these days, especially TikTok. And there's so much community now that, you know, didn't really even exist when I was going through my ED a couple years ago, but there is nothing like a professional that is specifically creating a plan for you that knows all of the intricacies that has been trained, um, and that is there specifically for you. So just wanted to say that. Um, and I also want to talk about the benefits of therapy besides, you know, the fact that you feel overall better. I think that, as I mentioned, my friendships are better. I love venting to my friends. They are some of the best problem solvers around some of the smartest people, some of the most empathetic people. But I also have come to realize that I need to make sure that I am creating space for my friends to discuss their issues. And I also need to make sure that we have space for fun. You know, like if we go to dinner or drinks, I don't want to feel like, you know, I've spent all that time talking about my anxiety or talking about how, you know, this guy really hurt my feelings and made me cry. I mean, I'll probably gossip with them a little bit about the guy, but like, I don't want every hangout to feel like a therapy session. I think that there needs to be balance in friendships between some of some of that emotional stuff, but also just, just bonding, just couch potato time where you just sit on the couch together and scroll on your phones, you know? And so I think that having a therapist has allowed me to have, have a specific person who I know I can talk to about these things so I don't feel that pressure anymore or that need to necessarily unload on all of my friends. And I'm not at all saying that you should not share things with your friends. I do share things. That's a really important part of friendship for me. But again, I do think there needs to be a balance. And I do think that you don't want your friends to ever feel like they are responsible for your mental health or for your healing or for getting you out of crises because that's a lot of pressure and like it's a lot of pressure being on the receiving end of that as well at the end of the day we're all just trying to find our way and sometimes it's like the blind leading the blind (laughs) no I'm just kidding um so yeah I I do think that my relationships have improved I think that I, I just I have a toolkit now that I didn't have before like I have coping mechanisms now that I didn't have before I think I know my triggers a bit more now specifically with you know like eating disorder stuff and food stuff I think that that therapy really helped me realize what I need to avoid to you know prevent myself from having a little spiral about my body or maybe what I don't need to engage with on social media I think that therapy has been really great for that and also just like dealing with with family, I think that identifying, I don't know if solutions is the right word for, for navigating conflict, but no, solutions is the right word. I think that therapy has given me a toolkit of like solutions um, for when, you know, you're having a disagreement or something. I think that 
I've gained empathy through therapy, not in the fact that, not in the way that I don't think I was sympathetic before, but I do think that I was, but I think that, I don't think empathy is the right word. I think that I'm able to consider other people's, other people's viewpoints a bit more and like maybe see things from their vantage point more often now and consider why they did something. I think that that's particularly important when exploring you know, your relationships with your parents. Um, I think my therapist has been great at helping me understand sometimes why they may do certain things, but also she's empowered me to not always feel like I need to look for the why in anyone's actions. Um, I think that if you're at all a critical thinker, you a lot of the times want to know why you want things to feel logical, but they, they aren't always. And I think that therapy has been a great way of allowing me to not feel like I have to have all the answers to things and to just kind of be able to accept certain things. But I, I also think that one of the main benefits is just, it's kind of like having a personal cheerleader and having someone that's just there to encourage you, someone that wants you to grow, someone that knows you really well and in a way that most people don't you know like there's things that I imagine other people and also myself you know that we tell our therapist that we might be reluctant to tell a parent or a friend or might feel guilty admitting and you know those are the things that you say to your therapist and they just they know you really well ideally in the encouragement it's very meaningful. I think that I feel almost as I, as I navigate my weeks in between therapy appointments, I feel like when I, you know, make a good choice or do something good for myself, I'm like, okay, Jessica would be proud of me. Jessica's my therapist. Um, and that's a good feeling. And I also feel great when I can go back to her after an appointment and tell her that I actually, you know, did the breathing size breathing exercise that we talked about or that I didn't reach out to the boy that you know was terrible to me or that I didn't do this self-destructive behavior so yeah those are my notes on the benefits I apologize that this episode has been all over the place I'm rusty at podcasting I'm trying to be more consistent I I've been struggling with being consistent and I felt I felt creatively stalled for full transparency and I felt like I'm really bad at podcasting lately and I don't know I'm trying I think that consistency is the name of the game so I'm gonna try really hard to be more consistent and to podcast even when I don't want to podcast so you will be hearing from me again I hope that you all have a lovely holiday. Um, hang in there. There's only like a week until hopefully we can all have some much needed PTO. And I look forward to talking to you guys again soon. I think that the next episode might feature one of my best friends, Eliza. And I think that that episode is going to be talking about the ups and downs of mid-20s because 
mid 20s or something i don't know i don't know if i'm technically mid 20s yet i'm 24 I, th I think that that can still be considered early 20s but let's be real i'm gonna be 25 in a few short months so i, I better start accepting that um Maybe I can talk about in therapy tomorrow why I'm so uncomfortable with aging because <laughs> I definitely am. But that is all for today, folks. I, I've, been, I've enjoyed this. I hope that you have gotten something out of it as well. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye.